Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Talk about culture changers. Have you heard of the Lola yet? The Lola is the brand new and only women-only co-working space in Atlanta. I got to talk to co-founders Eileen Lee and Martine Resnick and learn more about the groundbreaking community starting here and growing to a city near you. I hope you enjoy it. So I'm so excited to welcome the co-founders of the new Lola. Is it called The Lola? Because I looked up Lola, and you know it's like a tampon yeah. BS thing. <laughs> I'm so curious to learn about it. So we are here with Eileen Lee and Martine Resnick. Thank you so much for being here and being part of my podcast, Little Left of Center. Um, but yes, I'd love to hear from you guys. Tell me, we'll start with you, Martine, because I'm looking at you. Tell me more. Tell me about the Lola. Yeah, hi. Thank you having, for having us on your podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're building a community and a network for women here in Atlanta. We want to better connect women um, across age ranges, across backgrounds, across industries, really to just support each other, um, own and tell our stories and kind of rise up together. Um, we're doing that through community and space and then programming and events. And we're opening up a new space opposite Pond City Market in the Southern Dairies Complex um, this summer. And that is, it's the first one in Atlanta, right? Yes. So how did this come about? Tell me, Eileen. Um, so I moved here two and a half years ago from New York and um, knew that I wanted to start something. I have my background is in very much in community building and um, very much seeing the power of the community and what it can do for the individuals and the greater group. Um, I was looking for something. I didn't know what it was. I asked to be introduced every time I met someone in Atlanta to someone who was in business, interested in starting something. Um, one thing I was surprised about being coming here is I kept on getting introduced to amazing women. And I just wasn't assuming that there were so many awesome women here. Oftentimes when I go to other cities um, in my past work experiences, it's been a lot of men and white men that I meet who are building businesses. Um, eventually I got to a place where a woman said, there's someone I know at Turner that's interested in starting something in the women's space. You should talk to her. So I just aggressively followed up with that woman <laughs> to the point where I, it's funny, we joke around, but from my perspective, I just, I pictured all these women wanting to like lined up, wanting to work for Mar with Martine. And I was like, I need to get to know her. I need to see if this is something that we can um, do together. And um, we met, I think it took a little bit of time for Martine to quit her job. She's had been in corporate for so long. And finally, uh, two weeks after I had my first daughter, she was like, I quit. <laughs> so uh, the rest is history. We started full time uh, last January in 2018. And we've been building our community for the past 18 months and are so excited to have our first physical space. Yeah. So did you think when you came to Atlanta, did you have aspirations to work or build a female community? Or how did that idea come about? Um, for me, I was very much open to the idea. I um, am passionate about supporting women. My last job, I started a nonprofit to support 
22 year old aspiring entrepreneurs and through that experience um, saw these, you know, recent grads coming out of college, we train them, we put them at startups so they could apprentice themselves, just seeing how challenging it is to work at a small company that doesn't have HR or support. There was unfortunately a lot of um, stuff that our fellows experienced that they shouldn't have. And I was their first line of support to either give them advice or pull them out of that situation. Um, So I think that sort of was growing on me. I had a corporate consulting background. Then I went into working at a startup. And I think for me, the realization was, man, it doesn't matter where you work. It's still really hard for women. Um, And then Martine sort of had been... um, stewing and building on the idea when I met her. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, timing is everything. And I think I had been 20 years in corporate and worked in really like fun, creative jobs and industries. So had, you know, enjoyed my career. But then I think back to back, I had two kids and things were crazy. The industry was going through a lot of change. I think a lot of things were just going on um, around me that just was like, made me pause and made me think, huh, this maybe isn't the best fit anymore. And that I'm kind of going through this change period. And what does that look like for me? And just wanted to do something that, um, you know, felt more meaningful, felt more connected. I knew I wanted to do something in the women's space, had always worked on female forward brands, um, and definitely liked what was going on in the women's space. And so it was just finding like the right thing. And I think my personal experience of just feeling like, oh, wow, corporate America really just does not fit for a two parent working family. And that we're trying to force something, um, that, was designed for a time gone by. And so it just felt like there had to be a better way. Um, and then came up, felt like in-person connections and um, we call it like in real life IRL um, was also, a, you know, we were in a very digital age and I think technology um, and um, digital communication is great and has really like expanded conversations. But there's something so special about women coming together in person because you get that kind of um, you just, you're just more connected and more, um, motivated to help that person. So, um, yeah, so we wanted to build something physical here. I think that theme keeps coming up about wanting more meaningful connections, especially with purpose and work. And one of the things I was thinking about, because I think all three of us shared something in common, and I'm not sure if it's coincidental, but something I've been stewing on is when somebody transitions from being a non-mother to a mother, there's a huge unidentified, unacknowledged transition that mothers go through. That's not just, okay, I'm a mom, but there's more question around the meaning of what a mom means and what your contribution is to society beyond just being a working mother or being a mother or being a non-working mother, whatever it is. And I wonder if that kind of shifted in you And in you, because it sounds like you just had a baby and then started to own a business. And I I find that with a lot of the female friends that I have and people that I talk to, that it's, it's much more like a tectonic plate that shifts underneath that people don't really acknowledge how powerful and how confusing that time is when you become a mother. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I mean, we laugh, I say it literally like shifts your brain um, and kind of changes your perspective on so many things on so many levels. And it's not that guys don't go through it too, but I think there's just boundaries and expectations put on us as women and being as parents that I think it just really like clashes with our lives before and you loved your life before and thrived in it. And suddenly it just doesn't fit. And that's really like, um, disorienting. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, I I know my husband's super supportive and, and kind of a partner in our 
you know, in raising kids, but he struggled too. And I think it's just, you're trying to force something into hours and constraints that just don't support a family. And um, I grew up in the UK and mums get and parents get um, maternity leave um, for up to a year. They have to hold your job. And I think in my mind, I was like, oh, you get three months, it's fine, you go back. But nothing prepares you for how hard that is. And just, you're just not ready to like, it's such a crucial time, I think, and um, raising kids. And um, I think as a society, we need to put more um, emphasis on how important that is. And we talk a lot about how the 24-7 connectivity and sort of the work culture in our country makes it incredibly harder for women because they're the ones that oftentimes do take a step back, especially in the early years. And then also just the fact of the matter is the the brunt of the household and the, the responsibilities fall on women. And it's not because in as a result that we become less ambitious. It's just like a practical standpoint of what something's got to give. So we talk a lot about a lot of working moms and working parents. The ambition doesn't go away. It's just you have more on your plate and it looks different and you're probably less um, inclined to deal with BS that you have before. Yeah. So it's an interesting shift, but we we talk about that a lot. It's interesting in our community, especially coming um, moving here from New York, we just assumed because we're both working parents um, that our community would be you know, 50, 75% working moms. It's actually uh, less than 30. Yeah. But I think the key there Wait, is- 30% of working moms in Atlanta? Um, no, in, in our, our community. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> and I think that's wow. for a number of reasons, but also what we're realizing as we connect and, and get to know our members is that women are always in transition. I think becoming a parent is absolutely one of the big ones, but it's a career transition. It's a moving transition. Um, it's going and preparing for retirement or caring for elderly parents. There's we're, we're always in transition. Do you think there's any coincidence to the timing of opening this in the era of the Me Too movement? Because I feel like there's an uprising of women where it is like a hell yes. For a lot of this, tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think it's not a coincidence at all. I think it has, I mean, I think women want this and need this. I think it would have been a more difficult conversation five, eight, 10 years ago than it is now. And I think so the timing for us couldn't be more perfect. Um, but yes, I think for me, if I think personally, I think a lot of stuff came together and created a perfect storm. Um, I think it was having kids. I think it was the moment in time, which kind of just gives you that kind of, um, momentum and energy to kind of go chase that. I think, um, yeah, women are definitely owning their voices and, and drawing a line and saying this doesn't work and really just being brave enough to change the rules to say, this doesn't work for us. Our, we're over 50% of the population, so our voices matter and we're going to use that. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think so. What would you say is your vision for a culture of how, wh- what do you want your contribution to be? For us, until our government and all of our employers can better support women through the Lola and through the community that we build, our goal is to really, you know, support our community members, give them the resources they need to go out there, whatever that looks like, if they're a freelancer, if they're in a work for a bigger company, but to have the tools to, to figure out how to best advocate for themselves. Because I think a lot of the 
things that we hear for our members and the takeaway continues to be that we as women oftentimes try to fit ourselves into a mold that doesn't suit us because we have preconceived notions because we were raised in a certain way because society tells us to do that uh, a certain way. But for us, if we can better shape that work-life integration, that optimal work-life integration or career or meaningful life, that is really truly our goal because I think women don't give themselves permission to do that, to give themselves time and space to think about what, what do I really want? What really works for me based on who I am? So to be able to give women that time and space to invest in themselves and then go out there and not only advocate for themselves, if it's for a job or a promotion, but for, for the women behind them, for the generation behind them. It sounds like it's deprogramming and reprogramming. Uh yeah, For sure. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think it's um, also one thing we say is that we want women to kind of own their stories and tell their stories. And I think often, I mean, when you're in transition, it's really hard to kind of figure out what your new story is. And I think it's like helping women define what that is, but then being really confident and not apologizing for that and not being embarrassed about that, but really saying this is who I am and, and, and being confident in that, because I think that will just helps them get to where they want to go. And I'm curious to see you have interviewed over 1300 women. So how has the vision changed before and then interviewing? What did you learn that was super surprising about what women want as you shaped what will eventually become the Lola? Well, well for starters, when we first started, um, I was fully convinced and it could have been also because I was pregnant, <laughs> but I was like, everyone will definitely want a full-fledged daycare next to our site. And after doing surveys and conducting focus groups in the first few months that we got started, um, I remember being really bummed to learn that, yes, that's a very uh, challenging time frame to have kids for the first time, to be new parents and to figure out that daycare or that school. But once you do it, you don't want to switch it up. They're not going to want to uproot their kids, understandably. So that was a big learning. Um, and also just learning about how I think Atlanta as a Southeast hub, we assume there are most a ton of working women, but th there's definitely a variety of um, working women that come from different areas because it's kind of the progressive hub where some of them do choose not to have kids. I think we have, and Martine was mentioning our community, you know, you can go to an event and meet someone that's 25 or 75 years old. Um, another thing that surprised us is the older uh, demographic that we have. We call them the women who are in their encore career. So not quite ready to retire. Um, we brought about a dozen of those women together and asked them, you know, you're clearly adding value to the Lola. What can we do for you? And the answer was unexpected as well. Um, they said that they want to bridge the gap between their generation and the millennial and the younger generation mm. and learn from one another. Um, and we spent That's hours very on that. story. I know we, I very, exactly. Very we weren't expecting that. I don't know what we were expecting. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think we were just excited to engage this group. We felt just in our gut that there was something there and it's continued to like reward us. And yeah, I think they were, wanted to be involved. I mean, there was other stuff that came as well. It was just like, I think when women get older, they have bigger paychecks and salaries because they've been in the workforce for 30 or 40 years. But And so companies see them as, you know, easy ways to cut, you know, budgets and stuff. But they're like, we want to work. We want to be engaged. We have lots to offer. There's like a brain drain coming out of companies because they're letting go of these women and people at that age too early. But, um, but the system is a little challenging because healthcare and you want to work three days a week, not five days a week. And you want to do the thing, you, you know, so it, but it, I feel like there's a whole kind of talent pool there that we're not tapping. 
So you, you apply for membership. What do you envision it looking like? Who is attracted to this? Who do you want in it? I know it's like a very diverse community um, from what I can tell, but tell me more about who, who makes up your community. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think our, uh, there's a lot of groups in town and, and different women's groups and organizations. There's different, I think some of those are younger women. We've been really pleasantly surprised with our demographic age-wise just being older. So it's like we have from 25 to 75, but our core is like 35 to like 45, 50. Um, but what we, we had a hard time pinning it on one demographic. And I think we, there's a term being called by a woman named Gina Pell called the perennials. And it's this ever-growing, ever-blooming, ever-changing. So we feel like the common thread that runs yeah. between our members is women that feel like they're not the finished product. They want to grow, change, get better, help others, supportive. And so, I mean, gosh, we see some women that should, you know, should have been like, if you look at like the government's kind of like 65 as retirement, they are not ready. They are 75 going on 25 and ready to go. And that's just so inspiring to us. So tell me more about the programming you have. It looks so different than what I had seen before, like a WeWork or um, an industry is. Tell me more about the programming and support that you guys offer. So we decided to focus on more personal professional development. And we have been building that community and the programming since last July. We partnered with the Hotel Claremont and have been able to use their space to build our community, which has been awesome. We've done a little over 90 events um, with over a thousand women. Wow. And um, the most regular one we've done um, around personal and professional development, we're not focused on how to learn social media or how to balance your books or anything like that there. But we've done more on emotional intelligence, values-based leadership, money mindset. So topics that I think a lot of women often think about, but don't take the time to fully articulate. Um, a lot of times confidence comes up, um, money and salaries often come up and just, we've been able to create this safe environment where women can come be vulnerable and share their stories without any judgment. And it's just been this amazing supportive uh, community that we've built through those events. And it's, it's been every week for the most part um, since last summer. Um, so we're excited to continue that. We've met so many great hosts, whether they're coaches or consultants or just women who um, are excited to support other women. And then um, we've done a series of wellness events that we're excited to continue to expand in our own space. But we did a lot of yoga and meditation on the rooftop of the Hotel Claremont. If you've been, it's gorgeous up there. Uh, we did a sound bath. So for us, we're excited to um, focus on the whole self. So you can come into our space and um become more self-aware and figure out what you want as an individual. You can take a break and meditate, connect with uh, other members over cocktails, get work done. Um, for us, we want to um, take in the whole self, not just focus on one aspect or the other. I love that. How did you find people? I know, Martine, you've got a big, strong background in marketing and design. So just to kind of pause for a second, Martine, you've got a background, like I said, in marketing and design, and you sound like you were born an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, how do you guys, you two, work together, divvy up that, and how did you find people? Yeah, I, I mean, I think to answer the first question in terms of us, I mean, we do have different backgrounds, and that's 
forever like kind of rewarding us because I think we sit in very different lanes and come at things from a very different perspective and so I think that just helps us be stronger and better and and more kind of diverse in thought Um, but then in terms of meeting people I mean yeah we started off obviously like it was like okay I've been here I've lived in Atlanta just over 10 years and it's like okay who are the people we know so I mean the network skewed a little bit corporate because that had been my background but I think we started off with 300 350 people from that and then we asked those people to connect us to more people people. and then really it's been so grassroots and so like this person we meet with then connects us to five and then five more and so it's been very organic Um, and then people are telling friends and sharing about us um found out through social media um, and events and stuff like that. So it's been super organic to this point. Yeah. I was going to say, someone without a marketing background, I continue to be surprised and impressed with the number of people that apply and say that we they learned about us through Instagram, hmm. which I think is amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember how I think people have kept telling me about the Lola, or I think maybe I saw it in curbed or I don't know Atlanta what I don't know if it was curbed but one of the Atlanta publications of new things and I'm like oh right in my neighborhood (laughs) I love it (laughs) sounds amazing I have so in each of my interviews I have a burning question and the burning question is really how I know I want to interview somebody because I could build a whole interview around it Um, and so this may sound a little bit weird, but do you guys know who Arlen Hamilton is? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sure you do. (laughs) Arlen Hamilton is, she is a trailblazer and one of the only female investors in the VC world out in California. And she has made it her mission to serve minorities. Uh, she is female, black, and gay. And she uh, feels like it's a very underrepresented market, that only 2% of the funding, um, the VC funding goes to female-owned businesses. And I can't imagine that 98% of women have bad ideas. Right. And she's trying to buck that. So she has been all over Fortune Magazine and Forbes and um, has really having an amazing moment right now. And I understand that one of the biggest struggles you had was raising capital for this. So I'm curious to know what your experience is as female-owned businesses raising capital. And do you think that it's going to get easier? And part of what you do from the Lola is some of it being a platform to elevate women in these in uh, in an industry that's so imbalanced. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing that we're so excited to do. We say uh, that men have been out organizing women and through the Lola, that's such an easy thing for us to mobilize our community to bring them together, whether that's investing together, educating, just being more informed of like how to actually start doing it if you're interested. Um, Even from a charitable giving aspect, there is a lack of infrastructure for women. Uh, Men all talk to each other as we've been investing. Uh, The male investors we have talked to actually, in fact, talked to each other and told us, hey, you should tell, you know, I I talked to this guy and he said this, so you should go back and ask him again. Women are on an island by themselves. And the the VC stat is is abysmal. Um, We are pre-revenue. We've just been ticketing our events at the hotel. So we um, are not, um, we're looking for angel investors, individual angel investors. Um, It's been a challenge. I think we try to check ourselves as far as all the stats that work against women. I think 
what's been a challenge for us and particularly in Atlanta is the fact that we um, are not in real estate investment. We are not uh, your traditional tech startup here because fintech and sort of SaaS um, reign over um, all the investors. So that's been a challenge. It's been a very innovative idea. That's the first of Atlanta. Um, so that's been, it's been more of like a educational um, challenge and really finding the people that it resonates with. Our ideal investors are the ones that can see it not only for themselves, but the benefit to so many other women in Atlanta. How have you, where did you go to find these? Or was it a network? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it has been non-traditional. I mean, we really have gone through all the traditional avenues and had all of those conversations of the usual people. And even like, I mean, we're socially minded, but we're also not a nonprofit. So there's a, a tough fit there. And there's a lot of charitable giving here. So we definitely like kind of miss all the boats in terms of like where people like logically put things in very like linear buckets. But I think it's then really like people that know us have believed in us believe in the idea. Um, I mean, obviously, like the moment in time kind of helps that conversation a little bit. But it really is like uncovering people that maybe haven't invested before we have some first time investors, um, and individuals that just are at that point in life where they want to get more involved. So we're seeing people that like, my career has like slowed down or taken like a left turn. And now I just want to spend some time and do something I care about. And so we kind of fit that box. I wonder if you'll have programming for finding investors and, you know, startup pitches. Yeah, we'd love to, if anything, get together women, have them invest. There's so many great platforms. So you can not do it by yourself. You can kick in some money and actually actively invest in companies. Um, and then a lot of our, our women have their own businesses. So we're just excited to find different ways to amplify what they're doing and to to really promote their businesses and their careers. So absolutely. I know you mentioned about supporting people to get confidence in their own voice. Are there, I don't know how to phrase this question, but is it, you know, can the Lola be used as a platform for activism or at least a launch pad? And do you actually want to take a stand if that's the case as an organization when people may not have the same views? Are, you're talking about kind of like political kind of things? I guess. I mean, some of it's more like women's rights, you know, or, you know, I I, I dare to say it, but the abortion ban. I mean, of it course. is a woman's yeah, yeah, right, yeah. but it is a political issue too. I know. I think previously in business, business always drew a line between like social issues and, and business issues, unless it was like a very safe, fluffy kind of story they could tell from a nonprofit side that wasn't like going to like polarize anyone. I think we're in a different moment in time. And so people are now being more confident in kind of taking a stance. I think for us, we don't necessarily want it to become, I mean, we, we support getting more women into politics and what, whichever side that is on. Great. Um, I think for us though, issues that directly affect women, their lives, their quality of lives and their freedom. Um, absolutely. We want to be part of those conversations and feel like that we want to move the needle. So yeah, the abortion ban, I mean, gosh, it, it's, it's just very like extreme in terms of like, um, I think kind of taking hold of like women and controlling their lives and controlling their freedom and not giving them a choice of what they do with their own body. You can agree or not agree with abortion, but I think when people fundamentally kind of like are putting their thumb on, on things that basically affect our freedom, I think, yeah, we want to be part of that conversation and have a healthy kind of discussion on the issues around that. I think a lot of our women are excited to use 
our community as a platform to get engaged to. Our women are, we say that they're optimally agitated. They're, what does that mean? I heard <laughs> you say that. I think it's amazing. They, but what does that mean? We've all been in the workforce long enough that we've all hit up against challenges that women often do. And we're at the point in our careers where we have enough experience under our belt and enough, I guess, power to make those decisions that we want to do something about it. So I think a lot of our women are excited to get together and do something about it, whether that's supporting the right candidates that are supporting women's rights and issues or coming together and volunteering. So that's definitely something that we've heard resoundingly. So we're excited to partner with the organizations to mobilize our members and hopefully move the needle in the right way. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I think that word agitation really resonates <laughs> with me because I feel like there's an agitation in a lot of ways, whether it's politically, whether it's just finding their purpose in life, whether it's finding a network or, or community of people that's going to be supportive and feel, you know, like when I went to your heart a hat tour, I felt like I was home, you know, like the oh, women right. around there were smart. They were intelligent. They were industrious. They were people that were entrepreneurs. And it just, it felt like it, it was, um, I, I craved and wanted to be in an environment like that with women that, that were doing amazing things with their lives and kind of taking it. And, and I'm curious, um, to see who is, signing up for membership? Are they freelancers primarily? Are they people who own businesses? What does it look like? Yeah, I mean, it's a real good split. I think we um, definitely have a good section of people that are what we call independent. So whether that's freelance, consultant, remote workers in an entrepreneurial environment, but a good 50% is also corporate women. And I think um, I, I've been telling this kind of realization I came to coming out of corporate, you know, after 20 years, in corporate and certainly in my like last job, which I think when you are in a city that's a lot in the car and commutable and you have young kids, you tend to kind of like get a little bit in your zone of like back and forth from the office. And I realized I got really narrow in the different kinds of people I was connecting with from different industries, backgrounds, age groups. And I think your your thought and your creativity gets really narrow when you do that. And I think it's really important to have these diverse networks um, and you constantly be like curating and nurturing those relationships so we're we want to continue to make sure we have both sides of the table in the space because i think entrepreneurs and new business owners would love to pull from the experience of people with like lots of years of experience in business and and get that expertise but then i think the entrepreneurial community is super exciting to you know those of us that ended up like in very like linear corporate jobs and you're like yeah. oh this is like how you know the other half are living and i want to be part of these like fun energetic startups that are kind of changing the game on stuff so what about the location so you're uh, you you chose old fourth ward is it because of real estate is it because of of demographics or metrics and what is your plan going forward so we did look at demographics and metrics for sure if anything we knew our members we, we needed to deliver on having a safe space that was convenient and accessible. We feel so lucky that we're in the location we are. We have a parking lot uh, with with free, free spots. We're right across the street from Pond City Market. Um, when it really comes down to it, the real estate and the landlords we talked to, um, a lot of them saw us as too risky. We didn't have years of revenue and traction yeah. to prove. Yep. Um, so a lot of them really didn't want to, to consider us as tenants. Our landlord in this space, um, he seemed to get it. He took interest right away and he actually came to one of our events and sat in the back and observed and um, 
really was blown away at the caliber of conversations, the vulnerability of the women, the relationships and the connections that were made so quickly. Um, he said, after spending 20 minutes in one of our sessions, he said, I don't see how people would ever leave. So that was such a, an amazing relationship to um, very fortuitous as well, because the place hadn't even gone on the market. Um, we signed in within days of signing on with a broker. So it was kind of a wild time at the end of last year that it all happened. But um, yeah, we when we think about the other spaces that we've seen, it's got everything I think that we'd want in our first location. Yeah, and I think we were um, we were intentional about Old Fourth Ward specifically, or somewhere within this vicinity, because um, we and we had that this partnership with the Hotel Claremont, which was perfect, so we could start building community, kind of where we hoped to be. But for us, like we felt like the diversity of this neighborhood and the location in town said a lot about the brand and who we want to be, um, and the kind of you know, community we want to be. And so that was important to us to make sure that, especially with our first location, that we were in a very diverse mixed neighborhood. And then going forward. So what does success look for you look like for you? How do you measure success? Um, great question. I think metrics wise, however, we can figure out that we're improving the lives of all of our members, whether that's like on a scale of one to 10, but we've already seen our members start working together um, hiring each other, helping each other get jobs, quitting um, jobs, getting quitting new jobs, jobs and getting new jobs. <laughs> but that's unbelievable because yeah. you're right. People, women live on an island. Yeah. And so when you're trying to figure it out, it's hard to kind of reach out to your network and yeah, figure so out who are the right people to talk to. Who yeah. do I've got this issue? It's like the the dames group. I don't know if you're familiar with the dames group on Facebook. Oh no! no oh no. yes, yes, yeah, yes. Dames and dames and. <laughs> It's like, group. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, so DAME stands for Decatur Area Moms yes. Enjoying yes. Sanity. Yeah. There are like yes. 15,000 moms. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize there were that many. Oh, oh my, my God, God, it's huge. And it's very hard to get in somehow. Mm-hmm. But um, but you can ask them anything, you know, like my, my kid's nose is bleeding, you know, yeah, or I'm yeah. looking for job opportunities in this thing. So it, it's almost like an IRL or an in real life resource yeah. or networking cool. area of just a wealth of information. Definitely. And someone put it really well today. They basically said women are already doing this. Well, there's the so many. It's not just book clubs and you know that stereotypical thing. I mean, they're already like in mom groups and network groups and different groups for all sorts of stuff. But because there's no um, physical place or there's you know it's reliant on someone kind of leading that. Sometimes they fizzle out. But women have been organizing and sharing and supporting forever, and we are just fine doing this kind of like in a physical space and kind of formalizing it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we're excited to kind of pull from all of that energy and bring it to the Lola. Yeah. And I think one of the the exciting success stories that you guys have to bring is you two. And I'm I'm curious to know about the fortitude that it took for people saying, no, we don't want you in this space. You don't have proven revenue or trying to raise capital and understand something that doesn't really fit in a linear box. Yeah. I'm curious to see what your journey was like at any point where you like, maybe this is the wrong avenue or how did you know it was right? I think we went into this knowing that we would continue to pivot and that it wouldn't be easy. I think the thing that has set us in like put us in a strong place is not to take things personally. They're not saying this is a bad idea or it's not going to work because they don't like us personally. It's it's we move on and until we find the right people. And I think that has really taken us a long, uh, a long way. But, um, 
Do you think you learned that from the startup, um, the startup community that you had before with the youth? I think so. Tell me the name of it again. Oh, it's called Venture for America. So it's a a nonprofit. Um, It's about 40 team members in New York, but we have about a little over 800 fellow and alumni across 18 cities in the U.S. That absolutely, for me, being able to start that and grow that, that gave me the, the fortitude for sure and the resilience and just being able to have that one experience and then come into this one and say, you know, things are going to be different and it could not be more different in every which way. Um, but actually just knowing that having sort of the faith, if you will, and the confidence that we are building something that there is a demand for, it might not be the easiest thing to sell and articulate for people to immediately go, oh, I get it. <laughs> Especially if You're we're talking ground. to them. Yeah. You're breaking ground. But we, and you know, we have very supportive spouses that probably don't ex- uh, understand it to the extent that a lot of our <laughs> members in community do. Right. So we have <laughs> each other. they trusting in us. They do. And for us, we, we truly do have the confidence. We're so excited to open our doors and see where this will go. We're Again, open and flexible to how this grows and expands, but absolutely we want to take this to other cities. We see such an opportunity for other cities like Atlanta where there are brands and there are female forward spaces opening up in New York, San Francisco, London, so all around the world. But those brands, for whatever reason, are not looking at cities like Atlanta. And there are so many other cities that have huge populations of amazing professional women that we want to tap into. Yeah. And I think to kind of follow on from that and add to that, like, I think because Eileen had a startup background and mine has mostly, I mean, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, but until you're in it, you don't, you know, there's things that you don't know until you know. But I will say that the two big things is um, working with someone else. And I knew myself well enough to know that I didn't want to get into this on my own. I have two young kids. I wanted like that kind of like sisterhood and support system through this. And that continues. Like I know for sure that like doing it with someone and having that partnership and that is valuable to me as much as like growing the business is making sure our relationship is strong because I don't want to be in this on my own. I want to be in this with someone. And that's so rewarding. Um, The other thing is like, like how do you like um, keep, you know, do it even despite the challenges and the setbacks is like, it's been really so great to see just when you get up every day and you put one foot in front of the other and you just keep doing it, suddenly you stand up and you're like, oh, wow, like, look what we did. And we're like doing it. Yeah. yeah. So you can't, if you get in your head too much and like, oh my God, this is like overwhelming. You just kind of have to just keep going. That's got to be amazing for somebody who may not have done that before to kind of have that faith. And the North Star, and I imagine some of the North Star, maybe some of the companies, uh, the organizations that are doing it in other cities, because I think the first one was in D.C. Is that right? In, I don't, in New York, and they're in D.C. In now. It's yeah, the yeah. same brand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when when does your facility open? I know, I know they're like, <laughs> we haven't announced a date. I would say like July for sure. Exciting. Exciting. How, how can people get in touch with you? How can people apply if they're interested? They can go to our website, the-lola.com. They can find us on Instagram, the Lola underscore women, um, and on Facebook, the Lola underscore women as well. Yes. And what would you recommend if somebody wanted to start this in their own city if they're not in Atlanta? Oh, gosh. Um, definitely. Uh, or get can to- there be franchise opportunities with you guys? <laughs> I mean, we, our plan is definitely growth. Um, we want to kind of get our um, feet under us with this first location and then decide what growth looks like, but multiple cities. Um, for sure. We want to kind of build this really strong network um, across the US and, and maybe beyond. But if people want to build community and get together in their own cities, I mean, I think 
um, finding a way, like a commonality or a reason to get together, but really just reaching out to people, building something, galvanizing around something that you all believe and care about. And it's amazing. Women will, I mean, for us, it's been so easy. Yeah. They will come and they will share. And we've been um, very open about the idea and collaborating. And people that even might say they're competitive, we're just working together and, and building together. And so, yeah, you can build community even on a small scale wherever you are. I feel like if I were you guys building this and had that network of women, I would never sleep. I'd be excited all the time because people have such great ideas. So I wanted to thank you, Eileen and Martine, for coming today. Um, I want to thank you for what you're doing for women here in Atlanta and setting an example and being culture changers because it is time for women to rise. And so I thank you for the support of that. And thank you for being here today. Thank you for having yeah, us. thank you. Sure. Hope you enjoyed it. I loved our chat with Eileen and Martine and hope you did too. I love the thought of building a supportive, creative, and idea-bursting community to help us elevate each other. Links to learn more about the Lola are in the show notes, and I'd love your feedback too. If you liked today's show, please rate, review, and if you care, please share. As always, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.